0: Osiris. Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop.
1: Welcome in to episode 92 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Kolat. And thanks for joining us as we take our fortnightly journey through the live catalog (laughs) of widespread panic. Jeff, how are things?
0: We're good. Uh, Thanks for holding down the fort. I'm sure everybody missed me, but uh, we had some great uh, guests with Ted and uh, Sam coming on who, believe it or not, Harvey, might know more about widespread panic than, than we do so it's possible possible um i uh, feel like
1: we haven't done this in forever like the one show we did together was in the in the pilot on the way to cincinnati i feel yeah. like we haven't done this in like two months
0: it's been a while it's weird i'm back sitting back sitting in the closet uh yeah surrounded, the studio the studio sur- surrounded by my shoes um but no it's good to, good to be back and uh, family's good. uh and, uh, you know, it's still been an adjustment, but we were listening to, uh, the baby and I were studying for the show, uh, before, before we started. And, uh, he really seemed to like one of our selections for tonight. So, so that was good. His brother on the other hand is just obsessed with techno music right now. So that's, uh, oh,
1: that's heartbreaking
0: because, because those kids, uh, those kids movies they have all, and his, um pokemon cartoons and the things that he watches all have that type of music so that's what he's kind of into
1: um i will say uh i
0: don't
1: want to okay well we could i'll go ahead and i'm going to sort of spoil what the what the theme is tonight We're, we're gonna we're gonna kind of do a retrospective of woodstock which is 50 years ago this weekend as we record it and so i have been as i do with anything that i like get a you know get an itch for i go full immersion because that's what that's the only way i know how to do things so we've been listening to woodstock all weekend i've like been watching some videos today on the tv and so there's like a youtube playlist of like you know live performances from woodstock and it starts with all the folky stuff and so we had that on while we were i don't know what we were doing this afternoon and Quincy was around and he's like dad dad can you put it on some? put on some jamming stuff, please. This nice. is not, it's not getting it done. And I was like, yeah, okay. So like two tracks skipped ahead and uh soul sacrifice. Santana did the, did, did the trick for him. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about the theme tonight. I'm also super excited about a lot of things. I'm going to see panic this weekend. So oh, I'm really excited great. about that. Uh, heading down to Nashville. Uh, I am, doing basically what I did uh, last year in Nashville, which is I'm going to go down on Friday and like leave here after work and get down in time to go to the Sam Holt, uh, late night show on Friday. And then, um, and then I'll go to the panic show on Saturday and then come home on Sunday. And I will have not missed any work. only been away for about 48 hours and, and get some, some good music in. So I'm excited about that. Um, I asked you to come join me, but you apparently have better things to do.
0: I uh, uh it's not that I have better things to do, it's just that I have duty duty calls and more important things to do. For those for those of you in northwest Arkansas this upcoming weekend, I will be at the uh, Roots Festival in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh Saturday and Sunday. Um I will be at a place called the Cosmic Cowboy Studio. I believe it is. I believe that it's brand new analog studio in the city, and I'll be doing a couple of programs at noon. One noon Saturday, noon Sunday with Al Bell, the former owner of Stax Records, and we'll be talking oh. talking about uh, Isaac Hayes's Hot Buttered Soul, among other things. But the festival is really cool. Uh, Thursday night, Saint Paul's playing. Yola Carter is playing uh, John Fulbright, and then Friday night is Mavis Staples, and then Saturday is His Golden Messenger and and, Gid- and Giddens and Traveling McQuarries and some uh, Milk Carton Kids, I think. So pretty good lineup. I'm excited. I've wow. I've never been over to that part of Arkansas before, so I'm looking forward That's to That's the hip
1: out. part of Arkansas, the it's hip in the northwest,
0: the, so. the hip moneyed part of Arkansas, from what I from from what I can tell. So. Um, but that'll be good. So that's my reason for not being there, but I would like to, I w- if I had not, I would have, uh, taken you up on your answer and at least, at least come up, uh, to come see Sam the other night or Friday night.
1: Um, so I saw a few of those artists that you mentioned and is uh, another reason why we're just like in festival central here on the blue estate was that we had our uh, inaugural Railbird festival up here in Lexington, uh, the weekend before last went off without a hitch. It really was, I think about as, um, you know, as bad, a good experience as anybody could have, could have hoped for for a first time festival. And Keeneland was just a perfect venue for it. It was hotter than Hades here, blazing sun, but you know, we muddled through it. There was some shade around and, um, there was some really great music. I was going to give you my top five performances but I couldn't. I felt like it was unfair to the folks that that like landed outside the top five. So I've got a top ten. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you Do you want
0: to hear it? Yeah, I do. Go.
1: Well, yeah, I hope I hope so because you are going to. I, I won't take too much time. Um, all right. So number ten is uh, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. That was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine was a band I had never heard before. I think they're from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, Susto. Do you know Susto or Susto? No, I don't. They were cool, they were chill uh number eight was uh Old Crow Medicine show. I was skeptical about seeing them. I just thought you know, I mean wagon wheel and all that right um but man, they were like super high energy and it was a they were a great spot uh they were like the second to last band on Saturday night. it was two two days festival. Uh, And they played right before the Rock on Tours and like the sun was setting and like everybody, you know, was pretty well lubricated by then. And uh, they were they were fun. And then Brandy Carlisle came out at the end of their set and did uh, Wagon Wheel and then Jolene and uh, I Shall Be Released. So that was pretty awesome. Um, Number seven, Gary Clark, Jr. Um, I'd never seen him before in person and he is pretty badass i don't know if his newer stuff is more i felt like a ton of like curtis mayfield vibe which i had never really felt that much of listening to him but um i don't know if it's like his newer stuff or just what you know what he was feeling when he played but he was really good uh number six was the future birds do you know those guys
0: I do. Yeah. Like
1: yeah, they were a lot of fun. They played early on Sunday. I can imagine seeing them in a little club would be a ton of fun. Um, but I I really enjoyed that. Uh number five, Mavis Staples. Um, she is still a badass. She played early on Saturday in the blazing sun and just brought it. Uh number four
0: she's, the, she's 80, 80 years old, Harvey. I know. She's eighty years old. Yeah,
1: and she was having a good time. Um number four was the rock on tours. They were, um, I mean, that was a rock show, man, like late night, you know, after being there all day, um, you know, got, got dark and, and the lights were going and, uh, that was a lot of fun. I'd never seen them before either. Um, number three was St. Paul and the broken bones. They, I mean, Paul was wearing like a, like a shiny silver cape the whole time. And it was ninety-five degrees and sunny. And it was like they played in the afternoon. It was like God bless him for doing that. But um they were fun. Uh number two was Billy Strings. Um it was he played a bunch of different stuff than he played when we saw him at 4848, which is cool. Uh I guess he's got a new record coming out pretty soon too. Um, but he played on like the side stage, on like the small stage, and it was packed
0: and so, then so so billy strings is a guy it's not the name of a band correct
1: it is a band but it is the it is the it, you know it's yeah it's he's the guy he's
0: like, a, he's like a young guy right
1: correct i think he's 22 are you have you ever do you even know of of him at all i mean have you
0: i know he is but i will be honest when i say when i saw his name was billy strings i was like that that's just a gimmick
1: right I'm no it's wrong. that's a terrible name but it is what it yeah. is that's what it is um and then, uh, number one, which I was completely not. I ex-
0: think you, didn't you skip number two?
1: Billy strings was number two.
0: Oh, Billy strings. Is number two. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, number one was, uh, Brandy Carlisle was n- t- completely not expecting that. I was, she started right as Billy strings was ending and I, and everybody started leaving to go see her. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay here and watch the last, you know, 10 minutes of Billy strings. And, uh, and then I walked over and, you know, I mean, I've listened, I like Brandy Carlile. I've listened to her, uh, you know, albums, uh, you know, a few times. I have to admit, like, I sometimes have a hard time kind of getting into her stuff. It's just a little too, um, I don't know, melancholy, just, mm-hmm. just kind of slow and quiet for me. But, um, and I had heard that she puts on a great show. And so I, I always, you know, I was excited to check it out. But she crushed it, man. It was she was having so much fun. The crowd was so into it. Um, it was, I mean, there was some slow stuff, but it was really high energy, like most of the stuff she did. Um, and she played um, "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You," <laughs> which is not exactly like a you know a melan- I guess it's a little melancholy, but you know, like it was a loud rock song and uh,
0: a rock song.
1: Yeah. Her, her and the band just crushed it. So, uh, that was a pleasant surprise, but she, she was fantastic. So, um, that was my, uh, my top 10 artists at the Railbird Festival in Lexington this year. So hopefully they, they do it again next year. It was, uh, it was good times.
0: How many people, uh, did the festival could it, could it have held?
1: Um, I think they said they were, they got between 20 and 25,000 each day. Whoa. Um, that's good. I, th- I think they were hoping for a little bit more. I mean, it definitely didn't feel like overly crowded. Now I will also say, um, I did not see Tyler Childers on Saturday, on Sunday night. And I, you know, I think a lot of people might've put him one or two on my list, but I didn't feel it was fair to put him cause I didn't see him. Um, But we did a, so Saturday we got a babysitter and went the whole day, just the two of us. And then Sunday we were going to take the kids and all day Saturday, we're like, that's a terrible idea. Why would we do that? Um, I mean, they had some kid stuff, but it just like, you know, it just didn't seem like a fun, good idea. So what we did on Sunday was I went out early and by myself saw um, Future Birds and Susto and maybe something else. And then she came out with the boys at like five right in time for St. Paul and the broken bones. And we saw him or saw them and Gary Clark. And then I left with the boys and she stayed and saw Tyler Childers and Hozier who uh. were like the headliners Sunday night. So, um, so yeah, so I didn't get to see everything, but that was our, that was our trade off to, you know,
0: not drag the boys out all day on Sunday, but. The they boys probably have seen some uh good good shows this summer. They've had Yeah, a good, they've
1: had a good they've had a good run this summer.
0: Better shows than I've seen. Good for them. Um so so anyway,
1: yeah. So sorry to to digress too much there, but I had a great time. So I just wanted to to give some love to the railbird and um you know, definitely come check it out. Definitely, you know, not like jam bandy types. I would say it's more like an NPR music. <laughs> <laughs> type of lineup, uh-huh. but you know, I think they they found a good spot, like not going full, like you know, huge acts, like maybe like Forecastle or you know Bonnaroo or you know festivals like that, but getting sort of next tier like filling in, you know, with a lot of uh, familiar artists, but not huge artists. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a pretty good job. Um, so yeah, so those are that's what I'm that's what I got going on, and then. Uh, Woodstock. So I'm excited to talk about that. But is there anything you, uh, you have that you want to share since
0: well, I nothing, just dominated
1: the last 10 minutes?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, basically, due to my lack of attendance, it, it, it you people wonder, wonder, it's like, wow, is this just Harvey's podcast now? I don't and know. Like, I don't know. And then, you know, I understand. Uh, so, it is almost college football season, and so there is an article on the Athletic. Are you a subscriber to the Athletic? I'm
1: not. I mean, I have been tempted because they. I mean, they have a ton of great writers, right? And, they do. Uh, I'm sure
0: they have a lot of good Kentucky coverage because they have um, a lot of great. They have a lot of great Memphis coverage. So.
1: Yeah, there's one guy who who's local who writes some stuff. Kyle Tucker, I think, is on
0: there. And um, mm.
1: yeah, I mean, it was—is it like five bucks a month or?
0: It's pretty cheap. I think it's seven yeah. or something, but yeah, it's cheap. So okay, yeah. um, well, there's Maybe an I can article. Bar by-
1: your, your login or something.
0: <laughs> sure, <That's> a good <laughs> idea. Um, so there's an article by a guy by the name of Jason Jenks that I think just was put up today, and it's about uh, Mike Leach, and it's what the bleep is going on right now inside Mike Leach's quarterback meetings, and it's uh, like an oral history of all of his quarterbacks at Texas Tech and Washington State. Uh, Talking about his meetings, how they don't talk about football during the meetings and how he's just generally a weird guy. So I'm going to read a portion of this that I found super entertaining um, because it involves chewing tobacco. And so basically they're talking about how he had this amazing espresso machine And then he and Coach Leach dips. And so the quarterbacks all sounds like they all dipped too. this is at Washington State. And so this is one of the quarterbacks saying, I remember during fall camp last year, I had a pretty big dip in during fall camp. That man puts like half a can in his mouth. It's insane. But anyways, he was so concentrated on the film that he had his coffee in one cup and his spitter in the other in the other one.
2: He, oh, spat no. in his,
0: he spat in his coffee with his dip in his mouth, took his dip out and then drank his coffee. He spit in it like two or three times and didn't even know it. Me and Casey were like, what the F did he just do? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I love it. I just love it. So anyway, it's just, but it's a pretty entertaining uh Yeah, he also was. uh, He's also a up double decker uh, dipper. So he put one in the upper lip and the lower lip at the same time, which is disgusting. (laughs) Um, But anyway, there's more than just stories about dipping. But it's a pretty great article on the Athletic, um, and it got me excited for college football, which starts in a little less than two weeks now. So it'll kick off that Thursday before Labor Day weekend. So,
1: well, um, Um, there's a game. No, there's a game on Saturday. Florida and Miami
0: the, Is, is that really
1: is, yeah is on the 24th or oh yeah my on gosh. the
0: 24th yeah and I know we've done college football previews the last two years I don't know if we're going to get to one this year in part because it's becoming very difficult to find things to talk about when the same four teams are basically going to be in the college football playoff for the foreseeable future so um, I think we've hit most of the Clemson shows Uh, We'll never hit all the Athens shows. We've hit most of the Tuscaloosa shows, at least the ones that we would want to play. So Um, if somebody can think of another theme, we'll be glad to do it. Maybe we need to do one double A uh, final (laughs) four. There you go. Maybe that's a reason to do something. So my other recommendation is uh, a singer-songwriter from here in Memphis. Her name's Liz Brasher, B-R-A-S-H-E-R, And Liz has been in town for for a while, but she put out her first full length LP this past year in Fat Possum called Paint and Image, and we've been lucky enough to have Liz play at the Stacks Museum of American Soul Music, and I've seen her around town. She was supposed to play at Woodstock '50, which got canceled, um, which would have been a really big opportunity for her. But just she's from, grew up in kind of in rural North Carolina, and moved to uh, Chicago, and then was in kind of bounced around and was was other music cities and ended up coming to Memphis and is really making a name for herself with just great songwriting. She's got a terrific band. Uh, the band that she had at Stax is actually with Al Gamble from St. Paul and the broken bones on keyboards. And then Steve Potts, who is this great Memphis drummer. Um, and her bass player is great too. He's come, came up from Atlanta, but what separates Liz from a lot of the, a lot of the other sort of, um, roots rock, you know, R&B soul singers is that she plays lead guitar and is really fantastic. She plays a very crunchy uh, Gibson SG. So it's like this really great mix of sort of classic R&B and garage rock sort of all rolled into one. So she's great. She was at the museum on Thursday night too, when we announced our Memphis Soul Top 10 um, for the uh, Memphis Bicentennial. And she presented the number one song, which was, green onions by booker t and the mgs um and so that brought that little endeavor to a close but check out liz's record it's really good produced by a good friend of ours uh, scott bomar at his studio up here in memphis um and then speaking of the Bisolteniel, soul Teniel, and this is uh a guy that i'm sure those of you out in Panicland land know his work a little bit that's mark spusta the poster concert poster artist and obviously does a lot of fine art too and probably talked about Mark before. Mark's a good friend of mine. We've known each other since the eighties grew up together and we're going to have Mark on this show at some point. I swear he's probably sick of me not actually getting him on here and doing, doing this. Cause, um, but he, um, designed a really great poster for our, uh, what we're called the by soul 10 the top 10 Memphis soul songs that we did over the past three months and had people vote online and vote in the museum and such. And so Mark did this amazing poster, um, that just did a run of 100. Um, it's the only, he's going to do, I think some art prints later, but it's the only poster that's going to be out. And we've got some of those left at the museum. So if there's any Spusta fans out there that would be interested in one of those posters, you can see it on the museum's Instagram page. That's at Stacks Museum. Um, I just posted something the other day, Mark just posted it on his Instagram and he got a, uh, comment from the David School's who's mm-hmm. a big fan of Mark's work and apparently likes the Stacks Museum. So I got that going for me, which is nice. Um, but anyway, if you're interested in one of the posters, just check out our Instagram feed or Mark's Instagram feed and, and get a hold of the museum. Uh, just give us a call and we'll get you set up, but it's a great, it's a great poster. Um, and especially if you like Memphis, you'll really like it. So Harvey, you probably won't like it because you don't like Memphis.
1: No, that's totally unfair. I do. I do like Memphis and, and I'm looking at the poster right now and it's, fantastic so i assume that one of those is set aside for me right
0: you are, I, I. i can set one aside for you sure yeah, i'll make note of it right? i'll make one make note of it right now set aside poster for harvey couch there you go right wrote it down it's in ink thanks jeff um you bet.
1: all right so i want to get into woodstock and but when you mentioned the the one girl who was scheduled to play on at Woodstock 50 I had a thought about Woodstock 50 today and that is you know it's probably a good thing that it didn't happen um I mean maybe if it had been pulled off perfectly as whatever they were originally envisioning but you know after 94 and 99 it's like it's got kind of, you know what like that's just it, it was a moment it was a beautiful moment in time and let's just let it be that and we can remember it and try not to recreate it and have
0: 94. What's wrong with 94? 94 was good. I guess right. it was
1: okay. Yeah. it just, I mean, it seemed like it was, you know, sort of a, it was riding down the road of the commercialization of, you know, something that was, that was pretty organic, I guess, but
0: <laughs> yes. Cause Woodstock's not been commercialized since 1969. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's like saying the Grateful Dead isn't a finely tuned merchandising machine. Um, so I disagree with you on that Harvey. Okay. Well, um but I will say t- do you, which semi popular jam band played at Woodstock 99? Like a band that you have seen and I have seen.
1: Um I mean, was it did Dave Matthews band play?
0: He did, but uh, That's that
1: doesn't count. Okay. Uh,
0: no, the next tier down
1: next probably. Next tier down. Um yeah i don't know i don't know Can you give me a hint there are a lot of next year jam bands
0: it is a name it's a food in their name
1: uh string cheese incident
0: yes string okay. cheese incident played at woodstock 99 i will say this i
1: have seen string cheese incident but i have not seen them since woodstock 99 i saw I them saw, prior to that
0: i saw them uh fall 90 no wait i saw them summer 2000. That's the last time I saw them. Yeah. So here are some of the bands that played at Woodstock '99. Third Base, gotta love Third Base. <laughs> the, give them the gas face. Vertical Horizon, Strange Folk, G Love, String Cheese, Bernie Rael, George Clinton,
1: Mo. Oh, Mo played too. Yeah. Well, and I mean Strange Folk is uh, that's Hour uh, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. yeah.
1: and uh, Assembly yeah. Dust. Go uh, yeah.
0: The uh, Roots, Insane Clown Posse, because yeah, it just
1: it just took a turn there.
0: Yeah. James Brown, Jamiroquai. Oh, remember Jamiroquai? Yeah. Live, Cheryl Crow, DMX, Offspring, Corn, <sighs> Bush, uh, Ben Lee, Moby, ah, oh, Guster. Guster, uh, right? Isn't it yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bruce Hornsby, Everclear, Ice Cube, Los Lobos, Mickey Hart, and Planet Drum, uh, Chemical Brothers, Tragically Hip, Kid Rock, Whitecliffe Sean, Counting Crows, dave matthews alanis morissette and then this is where it went off the rails
1: yeah I mean, it's like up until then like i'm pretty much okay with all the, i mean maybe not kid rock but like for the most part the rest of those guys i was all pretty much okay with then, but i it's gonna it's gonna get
0: ugly here in a minute and then limp biscuit is when it got when the shit got real uh rage metallica mike ness uh our lady peace Interesting choice. Rusted Root, Seven Dust, Collective Soul. God God bless. This is like oh, is the uh, weight room, high school the soundtrack in the high school weight room <laughs> growing up. Willie Nelson Willie Nelson. Everlast yeah. Elvis Costello, Jewel Creed, Creed featuring Robbie Krieger. Oh mm, god. Not sick. Robbie
1: Krieger's best moment.
0: No, no. Uh, and Red Hot Chili Peppers and then a bunch of uh, Big Sugar and then a bunch of other bands. So yeah. It's not terrible but man that's a there's a lot of a lot of garbage on there <laughs> um this is a note al green was also <laughs> slated to appear but backed out following john f kennedy jr's death in a plane crash how are those two things linked
1: wow it was just obviously very emotionally attached i don't know
0: <sighs> that is st- um That's strange. Anyway, sorry, we digressed, digressed, digressed. Um, he had planned to fly in from Nashville in a small private plane, but backed out of the flight following the plane crash death of July 6th. Maybe it
1: was just the the fact of having to fly a private plane. He wasn't, he wasn't cool with. Yeah. Uh, Huh. Anyway.
0: Okay. So, um,
1: so let's talk about the 1969 Woodstock. Yes. Could we do that? We can. Um, and we're going to tie this to Panic, I, I promise. Um, what we're going to do is play play tracks that Panic has played that were performed at Woodstock 1969. Um, so what, what got me sort of back into this was there was a bit on CBS Sunday Morning like two weeks ago. Do you watch, do you watch that show?
0: Um, old People Television, of course.
1: Oh, man. So um, there's this bit about this guy who, who, like, found all the old tapes. Did you see this segment?
0: Mm-mm. I didn't see that one.
3: People had gone in over the years and sort of cherry-picked, you know, the specific things that they wanted for specific purposes. But most of the rest of it was just kind of sitting there, totally, you know, unloved and ignored.
1: Zax came across the musical Gems in 2005 here at the Warner Music Vault in Los Angeles. This feels like a treasure chest of music history.
3: Well, that's because it is, really. It's, you know, this place is full of remarkable stuff.
0: It's a warehouse filled with thousands of original music recordings spanning decades. It's also home to hundreds of Woodstock recordings.
3: I was like, wow, it's Woodstock. I mean, it's all of Woodstock. That tape box is marked Sly Stone, but we actually have a bit of Janis Joplin on here yeah. um, that has been marked, save, save. good idea. Um,
2: <laughs> and, uh, and good to me. Oh,
3: I knew enough to know like, okay, there's a lot more here than anybody has ever really certainly heard or released. The next thought I had was like, yeah, nobody's ever really taken a holistic approach to Woodstock
1: yeah so uh and then this past weekend uh wxpn out of philadelphia uh played the entire festival in real time from those recordings uh so they started uh friday night was actually thursday night you know this what was that the 16th 15th i guess yeah. 15th um so they started thursday night with that and played it in real time and i've been listening to that all weekend and um so that's kind of gotten me on the on the Woodstock kick, and um, there's obviously some some great sort of historic performances. I mean, what what are some of the ones that come come to mind? Um, you know, from the sort of original the movie release and the original soundtracks and stuff like that 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 you think of?
0: Well, I mean, the, there's the obvious one with Hendrix and the Star Spangled Banner, um, the first Crosby Stills nash and then cosby still's Nash, and nash and young concert um where they you know perform a lot of stuff that was on their original record on their first record and then of course they do some neil stuff and some other things which is which is cool um sly stone is seems to be the one that everybody seems to you know go to as a touchstone performance i mean it's in the movie it's amazing i was obsessed in the movie with 10 years after and uh, I'm going home just because Alvin Lee could you know they basically it's like a 10 minute guitar solo um the who they did tommy um Abby Hoffman gets up on the stage Pete Thompson hit, or Pete, <laughs> Pete Thompson hits him with his guitar like that's amazing too um but like the uh, we're not gonna take it from them um you know but obviously the thing that in the movie there's two two things that have always like like the, the 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 two my two favorite songs that I, I remember are um, Richie Havens who was the first performer. Basically, they yes. got him out there at five o'clock and was like, "He got and play. Nobody else is here yet." Sweetwater was supposed to open and didn't open, uh, or they couldn't get there. So Richie goes out and he just plays a few songs. Like, keep going, keep going. And then, of course, he makes up the song Freedom, which I did not yeah. know. I did not know that until actually right. listening to Sirius XM, their Woodstock stuff today. Um, but uh, that song, Handsome Johnny, which I was just obsessed with growing up because um, I saw the Woodstock movie. And then there was like an extended version of the Woodstock movie that was like that somebody's sh- uh, Showtime or somebody did. And I remember I watched it on like a free we- free HBO or Showtime weekend and then had a bunch of the other bands on it. Um, and then we watched it a lot in college and we were always obsessed with how giant Richie Haven's thumb is. Cause mm-hmm. it, he could like cover the entire guitar neck. So he could be like <laughs> do an entire fret in like with, with just his thumb. It's like the man had the biggest thumbs I've ever seen. But the thing that all that I think is the end, I'll be all a soul sacrifice by Santana, oh which of course is like mythologized so much. Cause he was peaking on LSD that Jerry Garcia had given to him and the whole thing. But it's just like, it's so amazing. And then Jen, my wife was playing it today when we were getting ready to leave the house and, um, it's like, I've listened to that and watched that so many times. It's like, I know that song so, so well. <laughs> it's just like, I could do the guitar lines. I can do the drum solo. and But it's like watching the Woodstock stuff, even the like stage banter and things, because I've watched it so many times. It's like it's just like watching a movie. It's like watching yeah. Top Gun. Well, I mean, I, I knew every line in Top Gun when I was a kid and watching Woodstock, I've seen it so many times. It's still like, you know country Joe and the fish come out and they do the tent marijuana like I don't know it's like it's just goofy as hell it's just funny so um, and then the last thing sorry I'm probably talking about all the things you want to no, talk know. about but the uh, Joe Cocker um, with a little help from my friends but have you ever seen that YouTube clip that somebody did where it was like a translation of what Joe Cocker is actually singing oh yeah oh my god yes. we we should link to that because it is hilarious hilarious and then you actually watch him and then you read that and you're like that's totally what he's saying you know he's he's saying words like hogify and i need a kia and whatever else so anyway um
1: that's, no I basically you, run I,
0: down the whole festival so
1: no no that was, that's what i was looking for you you get those are all those are all like the known highlights right um yeah the other, the other thing I was going to mention, which is like, again, just like how things happen. But like, you know, you talked about Richie Havens and they just, you know, stay out there, keep playing, and then you end up with freedom. And then I didn't realize that Santana was originally supposed to go on after the dead on like Saturday night at like midnight. And so when when uh, when Carlos took you know, I was like mescaline or whatever. At like noon, he was like, "I'll be good by midnight." Like, I'll, you know, I'll be in a place. And like an hour later, they're like, "Yeah, we need you guys to go out there." And so that's, you know, I don't think that was intentional, but uh, it worked out well. Um, so, so what I what's so that's great. Thanks for covering all those. Those are like the you know the the mythological well, and, of and the,
0: no. and the one like the dead, which is. Again, when I was growing up, it's like, how come The Dead's not in the movie? Like, Jerry Garcia's in it. He's smoking a joint, and he says Exhibit A. And, like, that's the only time he's in the movie. And they wasn't it wasn't around in here. And then, of course, I, you know, as I started to read about The Dead, they always complained about their performance and how poorly they played. And then the you could hear the helicopter like radio combo through the through Phil's bass amp or something like right. that. And yeah. Bobby got shocked and like the whole thing. But I think the performance is it's not, I wouldn't rank it up there with the greatest of 1969, but it's still enjoyable. I mean they still yeah. played they still played dark, they still played uh, you know, freeform improvisation in front of a festival crowd.
1: Right, right. Which, you know, I mean, you got to, that's, uh, that is what it is. I mean, I listened to, so I listened to that in real time on Saturday night.
0: Um, you live tweeted it too. Or
1: Friday, I guess it was Friday night, right? Yeah. So I was, yeah, yeah I was live tweeting it. And um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it got off to a slow start. They clearly like couldn't hear themselves or each other, yeah. you know, during St. Stephen or Mama Tried. And then, the, you know, there's about a 12 minute, you know, tuning interlude while they're trying, you know, or bears, you know, trying to figure out how to make everything sound okay. <laughs> and, um, and then the Dark Star was, you know, it was fine, it, you know, it's, it was Dark Star, but you know, it wasn't among the, the greatest versions and it was, a, and then High Time, they play after that, which is a great song, but it was like one of the first times they ever played it. It just, it yeah. seemed like, I mean, it, could you imagine if they had done,
0: um, Their usual 69 with like Dark Star, St. Stephen 11, Love Light, Death Down feedback and just walk off the stage.
1: Well, no, I guess I mean more like if they had done like, you know, Casey Jones and Good Lovin' and, you know, like a more, I mean, obviously the people that are there are there for for, you know, that nobody's sober out in the crowd, but still like you want to hear like things that you can dance to. And I don't know that that the dead did any of that. (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess the love light to an extent, but um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to criticize, you know, they are who they are and they're going to play what they want to play. But um, I feel like if you wanted to, to make a statement as a band, they maybe could have made different choices of the cellist.
0: Yeah, probably so. Um, But again, it was like, they had played at Monterey pop and like their stuff from Monterey Pop has never really been seen either. They're just sort of an afterthought in the film and just have kind of been an afterthought and other stuff too. But, yeah. um, Janice's set was good. I mean, the airplane was cool. I mean, everybody, you know, Grace Slick saying morning maniac music. Um, right. The, uh, it was funny because again, they were playing the, they were, they, were, they didn't play, uh, Full sets on serious they were just playing songs you know it's randomly kind of different orders and they played a bunch of we heard like sha na na two or three times this morning and jen was like what's
1: what's the deal why with
0: were, this why were they there you know and actually i always wondered that too because it is sort of the random thing that's on the soundtrack and it's the random thing that's in the movie um but it was just was sort of funny you know it's like in the 19th nobody wanted to listen to that music in the late 60s right uh, you know that 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 50s stuff and these guys did a I mean they did a pretty good job with it but there's a, always interesting to me how that was a thing like they were a thing um, well
1: yeah i mean i think i heard a interview with them on a podcast and it was i mean it they were like you know they were, they were talking about how they were on you know, on Catholic, they were at Columbia University, maybe. And there was like, they were the middle ground between the hippies and like the lefties and then like the, the jocks. And then they were like, okay, well, here's the music that everybody, like, we all liked this music when we were kids. So let's just all get out and like, forget about, you know, it was their way. Right. It was like their way of like, you know, some people were saying. It was just like, yeah, bringing everybody together, and it's not about you know you're right or I'm wrong or whatever's happening in the world. Like, like let's just like sing '50s songs, and um, and then apparently, I mean, they were they were talking like you know they essentially um, gave rise to like punk music. You know, I mean, like the Ramones yeah. played those kind of songs too, just I mean, slightly differently, but like I think the Ramones talk about Sha being an influence and in, and in like you know the type of music that they played which is crazy to think about but um yeah i mean without any reference or like context it's like it makes zero sense right but like if you if you think yeah. about like what they were doing and like where the musical you know where the world was musically at that time it, it kind of is an interesting um you know counterculture statement in some ways you know
0: so um yeah i mean overall it just is like Watching the film, and I know we have to play some music, um, but watching the movie again and like this thing they had on American Experience, it's like my nightmare. I mean, it really, really is. Of being there. Oh, for God's sake. All of it. All of it. It's just, I said to Jen, it was like, you drive and then you stop and you don't, you're in traffic and you don't know why you're stopped and you don't know, you can't go anywhere. So you just pull over and you start walking. And like the schlep's fine. I wouldn't mind that. But then you get there and it's, ugh. Oy. And then I always wonder did people bring extra clothes with them? Or this, it's they just bring, like this whole
1: Did Nobody brought a suitcase? So it's, I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. Did anybody bring their mom's Samsonite? I mean, really, if those of you who have been a longtime listener of the pod know that story well. Um, but <clears throat> those are all fair questions. Then they run out of food. Rather, rather,
1: rather quickly. I mean, I think there was like <clears throat> one, one guy there serving food and they ran out like, you know, the first night. Yeah,
0: all, all the legit vendors like bailed after they got kicked out of their first site. So it was just like these, they said in the thing yesterday, there was like, yeah, this one guy and he had three friends and he thinks maybe one of them had some food service experience. <laughs> um, and then the hog farm basically like the the people in the town, like basically donated a bunch of food. Um, and they went to the high elementary school and like put it all on helicopters. And then like the helicopters, like airlifted the food in, it's like the Berlin airlift for God's sake, <laughs> you know, like, <clears throat> they airlifted all this food and then that's what fed people. And then the hog farm, like fed a bunch of people they, they mixed like oats, mm-hmm. oats and sweet and, uh, evaporated milk. And something else, and just made like this gruel, and then they fed everybody on Sunday morning. Like it's just crazy.
1: Yeah, so like there's all the- breakfast in bed for four hundred thousand people is what we're waving.
0: Yeah, that's right. So I mean, like there's so there's all these like really great sort of touchstone cultural things, and yes, there is sort of this idealism that took place, and I think there's all the, but it's just the logistics and the nightmare. I mean, they they talked to one of the guys, and he said. You know, I was talking to the contractor on two, on Monday or Tuesday. And basically he said to me, well, you can have a stage or you can have a fence. Which we, we can't get both done. So which one do you want? It's like, well, we had to have a stage. So that's why we didn't have a fence.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think uh, one of the uh, uh, promoters came up and he said, when we got there, they had made enough progress to get a festival started. By November, <laughs> and we needed to start in four days. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God. Yeah. As somebody that plans events and like that, you know, not like that, but plans events for a living, like all of that just would make my heart explode. Yeah. I just couldn't deal with that. So, anyway, we've talked for 42 minutes. <laughs> uh, <someday laughs> so.
1: I told you I was excited and I had a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. I, I do, I just, I mean, I guess I can do this. Afterwards, But I, I wanted to – like just because I did listen to a lot of stuff this weekend that I had never heard before, and I want to give a shout-out.
0: <laughs> you're going to 30- give a shout-out to, shout to the Keith Hartley band? I am.
1: You? That was really good. <laughs> I knew it.
0: Have, you, I knew have it. you
1: ever heard it before? I never – like no idea. I mean like and apparently – it's some british drummer guy and like
0: yes, he was then played in John Mayall's band after yeah. the first one broke up
1: and and like his manager like demanded uh, compensation for being recorded and so that's why he wasn't in the movie or on the or in the so- soundtrack and um but it's really good i mean it really is good the other two bands that i had never heard well band and then um singer that i never heard quill who, yeah, man. who started off Saturday. It was like a, like a, like a Boston, like basically just like a local jam band kind of. Um, they were really good. And then uh, Bert Sommer was the, yeah. the guy from Friday who, um, who I listened to that. I really enjoyed that. I never heard before. So um,
0: Bert Sommer wins the award for a hairdo of Woodstock. Yes. His hair, his hair Fabulous. is insane. I, for
1: the first time, I saw him. Uh, I was like, well, "Who's that girl up there?" What's her? <laughs> I was like, "Oh no,
0: that's a dude." Um, I like uh, Burt Summer has a song called Jennifer, yeah. which is my wife's name. Which I like that song. Quill was great because they did that like big uh, bang on your pots and glass and everything percussion thing, which was cool. Um, yes, but Keith Hartley band they played it this weekend. They played Spanish Fly. Um, and it was like, yeah, it's a good track. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I mean, I could see that being a band that like, you know, that would be, I don't know, you know, obviously it didn't have the, the, the breadth of, you know, catalog that, the, <laughs> that these other bands have, but you know, I could, they yeah. could have been right. Maybe. Um, but-
0: so how would, okay. I know we have to get to music, but like I just got to ask this question. So, you know, we know all these, the main bands, which are some of the heaviest bands of the era mm-hmm. But they they had so much folk music there. Yeah. Like, how? I mean, if I were on, if I had taken the Brown Acid, and then, and then had to sit through folk music, that would have been tough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For sure.
0: And then there's nowhere to go.
1: That's like a total nightmare.
0: Uh, But that's
1: where, (laughs) but that's when you have to be like strategic, right? You got to know going in that, like, you know. Joan Baez on Friday night's not going to really cut it on on your trip. That you got to save that for Saturday, um, and just get through get through Friday on you know like whiskey and and weed or something. But um, yeah, I guess I mean I don't know if that's like a if it was sort of the crossover of like you know Newport Folk and you know what I mean that they were trying to because that was what had I mean because. Festival, I know there had been some earlier, right? I mean, uh, Monterey and there had been maybe two other. There was an Atlanta pop festival earlier in 69. Um, but, I mean, this is a relatively new thing, having a big rock festival. So, um, you know, they were there I mean, yeah,
0: they they were around and like then this became like the, oh, if they can do it, everybody can do it. And then right. they sort of
1: blew up after that yeah um the the one thing uh, i did read an article i don't even remember because again like i said i was like i'm in full i was like full full woodstock all weekend was a story about the brown acid that a guy Mm -hmm. said that that he got some of the brown acid and he said it, it wasn't bad in fact it was so pure that people didn't know that's why people were freaking out and it it didn't and like i guess most acid would have like speed and stuff in it and so that's what people were used to and they weren't getting that and like maybe they took like two and they should have maybe had like a half (laughs) and so Mm. he was like it was some of the best acid he's like i was like a professional acid taker and like that brown acid was like the best i'd ever had so who knew
0: but well, that's great. Yeah, yeah I that, that's that that see that's good trivia. It, it's debunking a myth right. that the brown acid at Woodstock was bad. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Um, so, so what, what are SME? we going to play?
1: Who's the band that we're playing on this podcast?
0: Called? <clears throat> um strange folk i think right <laughs> right yes uh
1: all creed all the time
0: um <laughs> with with robbie krieger right
1: we actually that we played that uh as outro one one episode i forget what that was but
0: we did play creed yes <laughs>
1: um Okay. So, so, uh, you know, I would look down the set list and there's a Wikipedia page for, of like the full set list of Woodstock, which is cool to check out. Um, and so I just looked through there and was like, which of these songs has Panic ever played? And I found like a dozen maybe. And so we, we called it down a little bit. We got down to nine tracks that we're going to play. Um, we're going to play four and then come back and, um, chat a little bit and then uh five more after that so um do we wanna do we wanna introduce or do we just wanna let it ride and then we'll we'll uh we'll talk about yeah, it yeah
0: let's just yeah let's just play them and then we'll uh talk about it okay, so we
1: are we're playing them in in chronological woodstock 69 order so they they're being played in the order that they uh they were played there and no no tracks from from friday no folk folk uh, songs uh i guess the only thing that that i did notice that would have been close would have been um uh i like jb did like a coming into los angeles and one of his like early solo tapes but uh but yeah. never never any full band so uh so we'll start things on uh, on saturday afternoon um with this jam right here <laughs> and mm-hmm.
2: players, but I tell you what, that young man is really good.
0: Okay, everybody, we finally played some music, and now we're back for more talking. Uh, we heard four selections from Woodstock, 1969, as interpreted by the boys from Widespread Panic. Uh, the very first one was Jingo, the Santana song played by Panic on April 27th, 1997 in Burlington, Vermont. Um, the second song you heard was the Bobby Blue Bland a classic, Turn On Your Love Light. Uh, performed by the Grateful Dead at Woodstock. And this version of Panics was August 10th, 1993, the Starwood Amphitheater in Nashville, Tennessee, as part of the Horde Tour.
1: And then uh, after that, a couple tracks from uh, performances at uh, the Lockin Festival in Arrington, Virginia. First up from 2013, you had uh, Susie Q alongside um, man who is at the original Woodstock, John Fogarty. And then, um, from August 24th, 2018, um, the, uh, 2016,
0: 2018 with Margot
1: Price, uh, when they closed out their set with Margot Price with the piece of my heart, which, uh, Janis Joplin, uh, made famous at the Woodstock in 1969. Um, Okay, so here's so one of the things that I was also thinking as I put together these uh, these tracks was to to put the band in uh, in festival settings, right? So you had a you had a couple of performances from Lockin, you had a Horde performance. We're going to get into some other stuff uh, in our next segment of music, but um, here's a bit of trivia for you, Jeff was was the 1993 Horde tour closer in time to woodstock 69 or today
0: (laughs) to woodstock uh uh, 1969 yeah that's yeah uh, thanks harvey that was depressing (laughs)
1: yes that was yeah yeah Uh uh-huh i mean seriously so just thinking about the fact that
0: i mean mean, it's one it's one year off center like it's doesn't matter 24 to 26 but yeah
1: I mean, but so basically, if if you were a person who was at a Horde show in 1993, the history of Woodstock was more recent than the 1993 Horde tour is to today. How is that possible, Jeff? How is that possible?
0: I don't know. I don't know, Harvey. Um, that's that's yeah. depressing. Right. Um well, the music uh, you chose was great. Uh, I'm glad we finally got around to playing something from 42797 because I don't think we've done that yet. Um, one yeah, of those a
1: fantastic g- show from start yeah. To finish, really. One of
0: those one of those great uh, leaked soundboards from Spring '97. Um, the jingo's is fantastic. Uh, really great encore end of the show. Low Spark, but I think the highlight of the show is JB. Before the Encore.
2: Thank you very much for having us here tonight, everybody.
0: I promise you, you have had us here tonight. Which is pretty great. And uh, The Love Light with Colonel Bruce. Uh, good, a little sloppy, but still fun nonetheless. But could you ever say a Grateful Dead version of Love Light was was sloppy and fun? Or not, rarely right. or not, or not sloppy, but really not fun either so
1: i had a a good friend of mine uh was at that show in nashville and um he recounted um you know a couple years after that show and then again when i confirmed to him last week that his his recollection of of bruce was like like he just appeared from the smoke at that show (laughs) like like, he's like, there was so much. There's a, he's like, I remember there being a lot of smoke on stage that, that show. And then, like, when Love Light started, that Bruce just like appeared out of it. I was like, of course he did. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, funny. um, and then, uh, you know, the, the 2013 set with, uh, with Fogarty, you know, um, I guess, you know, speaking sort of, um, about Locken in, in general, um, you know, I think they've done, They've done a great job of sort of picking up the mantle from, um, you know. I guess I guess I would say like as far as our generation and um, and the music that we like, uh, you know, the original Bonnaroo was I think a sort of a watershed of a collection of. Oh, I mean, I think a well, horde was in a lot of ways too, but as far as on the scale of of a Woodstock. At a single location, obviously the 2002 Bonnaroo and then, you know, the, the years after that. And then, you know, it, it became a little a little different, you know, when uh, AC Entertainment took over and uh, the Superfly folks were less involved. And then I feel like Locken sort of picked up that that mantle. Um, when, when did it start? Like 2010, maybe? What was the first? Uh, 2013. Or at least that was the first year Panic played. I don't know if that was the first... Is that the first uh, lock-in? It was called interlock Music Festival back then. I don't know. No.
0: Jeff? I don't, know.
2: I don't know. Okay. All
1: right. Um, so <laughs> so anyway, so you know, they've done they've had great lineups. They've done a great job of like getting different um, collaborations like set mm-hmm. together, you know. And 2013 and
0: was is... the first one, Harvey.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I can look up Wikipedia too, so that's yep. great. There you um go. So this was this was the first one when they had uh, had Fogerty together. Um, you know, other appearances with with Panic, they did um, uh, Jimmy Cliff. They did like seven songs with Jimmy Cliff in 2015, um, and then 2018 they had uh, Margaret Price out and did did a handful of songs with her. And that was uh, the last track from this section, which was the uh, the piece of my heart. And again, coming full circle, apparently according to Margaret price on her, in her Twitter feed, she was also on acid during peace of my heart and her performance with widespread panic. Did you know that?
0: Yes, I did. Good for Margaret okay. price. <laughs>
1: um, so, uh, so anyway, yeah, that was, that was good stuff. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the tunes.
0: So we're going to have a uh, special guest, a special interview now for our interlude. Um, Somebody that actually went to Woodstock, um, and the only person I know that went to Woodstock. Do you know anybody that was actually at Woodstock, Harvey?
1: I'm no, I'm not aware of anybody. I mean, it's no, I don't know anybody who was at Woodstock. And when so, you told me that you knew somebody who did, I literally, my brain exploded. I couldn't believe
0: <laughs> that you did. So the person that I know that actually went to Woodstock is my father-in-law, uh, Doctor Larry Kay, who hitchhiked up from new york city and was there on saturday and then hitched back and has a few interesting stories to tell i promised there i promised him i wouldn't ask him certain things but i don't think really there's anything controversial there um but uh but no we had a nice little chat and we'll play that for you right now all right. We have a very special guest with us today on the Bluest Tape. Uh, my father-in-law, actually, is the one person I know that was actually at the Woodstock Festival back in 1969. So I'd like to welcome uh, Larry Kay uh, to the program. How are we doing tonight, Larry? How's Akron, Ohio treating you?
4: Uh, very well, Jeff, and thank you for the invitation.
0: Sure. Well, again, it's not very. I never, honestly, when we started this thing, I would, I could not think of a single family member <clears throat> that I would have on this podcast. Maybe Uncle Ricky, just because he could talk about going to concerts at the Richfield Coliseum for hours and hours and hours. If we ever needed some filler, but, um, but this Woodstock anniversary show came up. It was Harvey's idea, and basically to fill you in, we're we're doing. Songs that Widespread Panic covers that were played at the Woodstock Festival. So, with a little help from my friends and uh, a band song or Cosby Stills and Nash song, that kind of thing. So, um, but what I what I want to know is about you going to Woodstock. Was this the summer before, after you uh, graduated high school, or the summer before your after your freshman year of college? I can't remember.
4: It was between freshman and sophomore year.
0: Between freshman and sophomore year and you were going to school in Marietta College in Ohio. A little little large school. And so you 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 went back home to New York and what was your job during the summer when you were home in uh, home in New York City?
4: I was fixing air conditioners. I was a helper <laughs> fixing air
0: <you> <laughs> So when the festival came up, tell me about tell me how you heard about it and then what what prompted you to to get up and go and, and, and schlep from New York City up to uh, rural New York.
4: I, I like the word schlep, but it fits New York. Um, <laughs> so so I was I was working and my friend Louie, who uh, was a buddy from high school who we always just got into all kinds of trouble. Nothing serious, but always just a lot of fun, he calls me up and says we got it there's things going on in Woodstock. I had no idea about it whatsoever to some to a great extent. And he said, "We got to go up there." And I'm going. You know, I'm arguing. What do you mean? And he's arguing. You got to go. And by the end of the uh, discussion, we were uh, we decided to leave the Saturday morning to go up there. And I really didn't have any expectations per se as to what was happening at that point.
0: Did you know? I mean. You were 19 years old at this time. So, did you know any of those bands? Were you listening to any of those bands that were going to play? Was there anybody that you were looking forward to seeing, or did you just go in totally blind?
4: I was I was totally blind. I mean, you know me, I, I'm kind of, uh, um, you know, I just kind of go along and I, I didn't have any favorite bands per se or anything like mm-hmm. that. It just <clears> kind of, yeah, okay, it's an adventure, Louis, I'll do it. And, <laughs> so and that was about the extent of it. So, I, I really didn't, I don't remember. Really anticipating anything for the, for, the, for the moment. I think the hardest thing was telling my parents. By the way, I won't be home tonight.
0: Yeah. So how did that conversation go with uh with uh w- with Nana and, uh, and and Poppy?
4: Yeah. I, I don't think they realized where I was going either. <laughs> <I'm curious. laughs> Let's put it that way.
0: You're going where?
4: Yeah. Walter Cronkite had not reported on it yet.
0: Uh, okay. Sure. <laughs> so. You, you and Louie leave the city, and so tell me about the journey to get up to the festival.
4: You know, again, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because you don't, you don't realize how paramount an event it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, so you're not sitting there trying to stick on every memory of what was going on you know, in the event. So I do remember hitchhiking up there. We, we had decided that we had heard that you can't drive up there. That, that, that we knew, that it was just a parking lot and it was reported back that you just can't get up there. So we uh, we decided to hitch. My friend Louis had hitched across the United States a couple of times, probably three times or so by oh, then. Wow. And yeah, he was he was a free spirit. And so hitching was not an issue. We had hitched for four times. It wasn't as dangerous at that time. It was, it was peace and love and stuff like that. So we, we ended up hitching up there and we caught a ride. In his old station wagon, that uh, two guys were were uh, driving, and the back of the station wagon was just filled with, as New Yorkers would say, soda. Uh-huh. <laughs> the rest of us popped, you know, but it uh-huh. uh, was loaded with soda. And the reason was they were running short of food up there, you know, so uh-huh. these guys were figuring they were going to make some bucks, and uh, they loaded the whole station wagon with soda. And Louis and I were sitting on the top of the soda. <laughs> Riding a hundred miles up to uh, upstate New York, mm-hmm. and uh, because they had food on them, they were allowed to pass through. Oh wow! So we so we got fairly close, you know, to to the actual site, the Woodstock. And uh, I remember getting out of the car, wishing them well, thanking them, and starting to walk, you know, towards where we were supposed to go, wherever that was. And we're walking through the, the farmland, the meadows, and. We're kind of coming up on a hill, but, but well before we get to the top of the hill, you can start hearing music playing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God, something's going on on the other side of that hill. It was, like, it was, it was just loud. You know, you, you knew a big thing was going on. And then we the crested the hill as we walked over to the top. I don't remember fencing or anything like that. I think it was long gone by then.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, and the rains had stopped before we got there. We were probably getting there late afternoon by then. Uh, on Saturday, and, uh, you know, we crested the hill, and we looked down, and, you know, like, just, you know, that's the picture show. I remember just the, um, you know, massive humanity, you know, in front of me, so, which you know, brings us back to our state of mind, and, uh, you know, with, with that many people there, it was, like, we, we, we were straight throughout the whole <laughs> <laughs> it was too It was too dangerous a place. Not that anything was going on bad, but yeah. you know, keep your wits about it because it was, it was, you know, just, you know, crazy. You, you uh, know, they,
0: there's that old adage that if you can remember Woodstock, you weren't really there. Uh, but I, I've always thought that there's probably thousands of people just like you that probably got up there and were like, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm going to hold off and not partake. And, uh try to keep uh keep my wits about it because it was some serious stuff By you guys got there because you came up. Did you know it was free at that point? Did you know that you didn't need a ticket to get in?
4: Yeah, I think, I think Louis had figured that out. Yeah, we had figured it out. It was like, we knew that it was a happening,
0: right? Yeah, so... We didn't know it was a happening. Right? I mean, you were there at peak attendance uh, most likely when it was, you know, close to the 250,000, 300,000 or whatever that upper level, whatever that upper number is that they... That they cite. So you you come over the top of the hill, you see all these people. So do you just what do you do? Do you just sit down? Do you stand? Are you dancing? Like what's what what are you doing with yourself at this point?
4: Yeah, well, Jeff, you know, I wasn't dancing. We <laughs> <laughs> were just, I mean, we were just in awe. they didn't, uh, we just started walking around. You know, we just, you know, and you're just it was like being on a really crowded beach. You know, yeah. you're walking in between people and stepping over people and stuff like that. And there were kind of like you know, pathways or roads, you might say, uh-huh. in some areas. But, you know, I, remember just, I just remember a lot of, I remember more at that time during the day, more movement than I remember sitting and listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it could have been, I think there were breaks that were being taken throughout the, the course of the playing where they weren't playing. That may be part of why I remember it that way. But I remember walking behind the stage, around the stage. I remember these humongous speakers, you mm-hmm. know, just huge, you know, speakers and stuff like that. Um, and I we did stop and really get some something to drink, if I remember, at some concession type thing. But it was it was really a basic type of uh, stand per se, mm-hmm. it, it set up post uh, you know, event, in, just to distribute stuff out, you know, but. You know, one of my my favorite stories is that Louie had to go to the bathroom, and uh, he, he stopped at a tree, and a line formed behind him to use the tree. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's that crazy, the you know, crazy
0: place. Um, um, what did did you guys bring anything with you, or did you just bring yourselves and the clothes on your back?
4: Yeah, pretty, yeah, that was it. That was it. we, we were totally unprepared. <laughs> and uh you know it was like you know pretty crazy but you know we were 19 at the time sure so, so you could be a little bit uh, crazy and stuff like that so you know, yeah so we just wandered around and you know i i remember uh, we went back up on top of the hill uh, somewhat and uh there was a bus and uh, there the people sitting on top of the bus and i have no idea who was who owned the bus or whatever but Louis and I just decided that it was evening and we just climbed up on the bus and sat up on the top of the bus with a couple of other people there and just was listening, you know, to the music.
0: That's cool. Um, Did you interact with anybody else at the festival? You know, meet some people, make small talk, you know, that kind of thing?
4: Yeah, but, you know, I'm sure we did, but I I don't really remember that much. I mean, the the same thing. It's just I, I just even there you still don't realize. I at least I didn't realize how this was going to go down in history. Mm-hmm. It was just you know you knew you were part of something there, uh, but you didn't. You just didn't get gather that that was going to be that profound a moment in in music history at all, wow. and that was you know it never really repeated again.
0: So, so you're watching the festival wander around during the day, and then it, when the sun goes down and nighttime settles in, do you guys just find a spot and hang out and take it all in? Or are you still doing some wandering and no, trying to no, we, trying to dodge the candles and the and the cigarette lighters and such?
4: Yeah, yeah, no, actually, uh, we spent almost the whole evening at that point on, on top of that bus. Yeah, you know, and and the one thing the one thing that I do distinctly remember was uh, Sly. Sly's mm-hmm. performance uh, when he started singing uh, "Let Me Take You Higher," mm-hmm. that 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 was that that kind of almost shipped me to my core. Was mm-hmm. When you have that many people, you know, yelling back at him, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was it was, it was a pretty crazy moment, you um, know. And and as far as some of the other singers, one of the things that has kind of messed me up over the years is that I kind of thought that I. It, remember hearing certain other bands mm-hmm. like, Have to see the movie the mm-hmm. the music again and things like that. It's like, do I, do I really remember it or am I remembering
0: it? <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> stuff like that plays tricks on your mind. I mean, that happens with veterans a lot when they, when they, they're, what they see other people talking about sort of infiltrates their, 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 their stories. Same things happens at stacks with musicians too um where their memory gets affected by what what other people remember um and so yeah that that, that, that's probably what happened i mean if you're there saturday night you saw sly credence played saturday night the dead played saturday night so you probably saw them
4: i did and you know i think i i one of the other people i think i remember hearing was janice joplin
0: yep janice played saturday night too she played and the boot played late into the
4: night yeah and i do remember listening to music, you know, late, late into the night, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, but yeah, you know, for all fairness, as far as distinctly remember, the, the, the performer that I remember distinctly that I know was
0: not from someone else was, was sly. Um, so you, you take in the music, you hang out, you sit on top of this bus, the music winds up for the night. So then, then what are you guys up to? What, what, what is your plan of attack at that point?
4: At that point, attack is like you know Louie and I. One of us was always pushing the other one, and the other one was being the, uh, the guy saying, "Well, maybe we should rethink some things." So, <laughs> so that, that, that night, I was saying to Louis, "I knew I, I was supposed to go to work on Monday, and I'm now 19, so I'm mature." And, <laughs> and so, so I said to Louie, "You know, knowing what we." I, you know, trying to get there and seeing all the cars, you know, stacked up and nothing's moving. Yeah. You know, I said to Louis, we have to get out in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, you know, I think at that point, you know, rational thinking took over and, you know, we we ended up uh, in the morning, you know, trying to pitch back out again. And mm-hmm. I don't really think it was much of a problem getting out at that point in time. Yeah. You know, I, 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 your cars were going south at that point, but uh, you know nothing was going north, obviously. And, but with that many people trying to get out of there at once, I, I, if I recall, I think people were still trying to get out Monday sometime.
0: Yeah, I mean, the festival didn't end until Monday morning when Hendrix played, and that was like around 7 o'clock, 7, 8 o'clock, I think. So. Um, but, but by that time, most everybody had left. Most everybody left later in the day on Sunday. I think, um, but so getting a ride back wasn't too much of a problem. And did you get a ride back all the way to New York or did you have to, or New York city, or did you have to get dropped off and bum a ride somewhere else?
4: Uh, you know, we called Uber. <laughs> 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 no, I, don't, I don't really remember. Uh, you know, the, uh, it, it wasn't that profound you know, as far as getting back. We got back, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the next question is, I have no idea what I told my parents you know, or, or what they said. They didn't cut me off. So you know, I guess, they, yeah. I guess they accepted it.
0: So, you know, one of the things we talked about before was, and again, your story is very much about the journey, which is, which in and of itself is cool because you just can't do stuff like this anymore. Um, you can't hitch a ride like that, um, hundred miles away and expect to come out alive on the other side. Um, but you know, you you said that you you didn't really understand the gravity or the significance of what you're experiencing, what you're doing. You know, what about Louis? Did I mean, how did Louis process this over the years? Was he sort of like you, or did he see it as something different in his life than you did with yours?
4: And Louis was kind of interesting. You know, in, in early high school, uh, you know, he believed in the Vietnam War. Uh, mm-hmm. He was totally anti-drug, and. Uh, you know, we, we had our uh, differences at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I came back after my freshman year, you know, and, and Louis became a,
0: really a, a free spirit after his first year in school. Going, and he went going, away to school. In, did he Did he go to, no, your cousin Arnie went to Kansas. Where did Louis go to school?
4: Louis, Louis went to one of the city uh, schools.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, it was Queens College.
4: Okay. Uh, he became a history teacher. Uh, he and uh, moving to New Hampshire, and uh, and, right. and and really kept the life of uh, of a free spirit, climbing the mountains mm-hmm. there, and you know doing all things uh, outdoors. Um, so Louis, Louis now is heavily into anti-war stuff. He was he uh, he was, he was <laughs> not into heavy drugs, but he was you know definitely doing his smoking and stuff like that and uh although he was a health nut, uh, but you know, he, <laughs> he was he was doing this uh, you know grass stuff like that he he i think uh related to woodstock far more than i do that mm-hmm. was he he was he was pretty wowed by the whole thing uh, and all and, you know, I was kind of heading into my whatever stage of life and uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> But but he 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 was really he was into it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, he, he ended up pitching. He had a he had a Volkswagen Beetle, you know, eventually, and he ended up driving that across the country numerous times. He ended up pitching across the country numerous
2: times. Mm-hmm.
4: He was that uh, spirit of, of, of Woodstock.
0: So you know, for you, I you know, I was hanging around with with jennifer when the 40th anniversary came around Mm -hmm. and i remember they they got you like a the 40th anniversary cd set or whatever uh for your birthday or something like that and then it's the 50th now so you've been around for all the anniversaries so when when whenever a major anniversary comes up what's the What's the? I mean, I'm sure when you hear it, it jogs a memory. Like, what's the memory that you have? Like, what's the memory in the front of mind when somebody, one of these anniversaries comes up, or somebody mentions Woodstock?
4: Well, the, the first thing is, is, it was a lifetime ago. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's definitely history at this point in time, which is mm-hmm. which is scary as hell. Uh, <laughs> you know, that you know, from that standpoint, you know. Uh, my friend Louis has passed away since then, you know, which is a sad point. Uh, when I think of Woodstock, you know, I, I do think about that performance of Sly immediately mm-hmm. because it, it was, uh, you know, it just it gets into your soul. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it like it was just part of you at that at that point, and you know, I immediately go back to to that evening sitting on the bus, you know, listening to Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. so, you know, that's, I mean, that's what I think about when I think of Woodstock in the most part is,
2: mm-hmm.
4: is that, and uh, how stupid we were trying to hitchhike. And hitchhike. <laughs> Holy cow! You know?
0: Well, it's just sort of, you know, like you put it, you can put hitchhiking in the same category as recreational drug use. You know, <laughs> right. it's, it's not a big deal to talk about it. Everybody did it. It's okay you know um you know you're you, you don't have to worry about uh, running for office at this point so i think you're okay right. with that uh, right right
4: the worst uh, thing uh, than
0: this anyhow yeah exactly <laughs> well thanks so much for agreeing to chat with us this has been great and uh you know I, if if, uh, <clears throat> if ever you go to a widespread panic concert we'll be sure to have you on for your uh for your for your take on that
4: well i appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh relive memories.
0: All right. Well, I'd like to thank, uh, Larry Kay for sitting in with us on the bluest tape and we'll get back to more music right now. All right. Thanks to my uh, father-in-law, Dr. Larry Kay for talking to us about his, his time at Woodstock. Uh, you know, I think with a lot of people, everybody has this vision of everybody had these, this mystical, magical time that changed their lives and they were never so connected to the world around them and you know, the music and everything else. And then you talk to uh, Larry. Somebody just, who was there. It was just there and just, you know, it was a thing. Um, so one of the
1: things uh, that one of the, like the, I forget who, or you know, again, where I saw this, but like one of the things that I think they, that like the bottom line was for a lot of people was like, it was just an escape, right? It was like yeah. three days when, like shit wasn't terrible, you know, yeah. and and it was just like hanging out and you know having a moment, and that was it. It wasn't. Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, you had a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of guys who, either, had, in the midst of trying to get out of military service or entering mm-hmm. military service, or had come back home, and so all kinds of things. You know, obviously with with Vietnam and the political situation and and, and such, but it um. There's been some really good stories about people, you know, going there, but having that sort of story where it wasn't the music that they remember. It was the people in the journey like that. That's what they remember and the people that they met. And there's a right. story, in, story in Milwaukee about a guy that, you know, they caravan with some friends and they got separated and they looked at the field and they saw these 300,000 people are like, we're never going to find Jimmy. And then like they looked to their right and like. 20 feet away was Jimmy and like this other group of friends like it was just this weird you know kismet thing that people had and then you know this people who finding themselves in photos and finding themselves in the uh, in the documentary and stuff too so Mm -hmm. that part of Mm -hmm. it is really cool like that's the Mm -hmm. stuff that I definitely would um, appreciate and remember so yeah but
1: you never would have gone because it sounds like (laughs) a complete nightmare to you you
0: never know I I would have been the guy that would have driven and then gotten to traffic and to be like this is stupid why what are we doing? Why are let's we just doing? go let's, let's just go back home. Like we I, I, listen-
1: told, I saw a brewery we drove by. Can we just go back to the- <laughs> I
0: saw some record stores, there's a brewery. It's it's just like so much more comfortable there. There's a Howard Johnson's. They have Sherbet. We can get a bed, it'll be great. Um anyway, so we'll play five more songs from We're, we're gonna
1: move to the Sunday. To the Sun- Sunday festival. Yeah. Sunday into Monday, I guess, for the last segment was all Saturday stuff, and yes. now we're going to move into Sunday.
0: And um, this is good stuff. I, th- I mean, I think we've got we've got some Joe Cocker ten years after, and some other other great songs coming up. And um, I'm going to say something really nice about a particular Panic era that I didn't think I was going to ever say. So let's get it kicked off with a little bit of Joe Cocker from New Year's 2016.
2: i mm-hmm.
1: Right, that was our Sunday Woodstock 69 um, redux, <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to Widespread Panic. Uh, we started things off from uh, Nashville, New Year's 2016, with a little help from my friends, alongside the McCurry sisters, um, and then from uh, October 24th, 1995, from the, um, what was it, the Mississippi College for Girls or something? Mississippi.
0: Mississippi University for university Women, which in 2019 you don't have to be a woman to go to the Mississippi University for Women. Yeah, but things that, like that are
1: things like that are happening. That the, the uh, Midway now University here in Midway, Kentucky, was the last all-girls uh, college in Kentucky until a couple years ago, and now uh, it is is co-ed. So I guess that's yeah. that's maybe like helpful for like staying in business is not turning away half the people that are potential students but um so uh good morning little school girl from um mississippi what is it
0: mississippi university for women
1: right yes um and then uh chest fever from bonnaroo in 2008 in honor of the band and um and then what came after that
0: uh we had mr soul uh, which was performed by, I guess, Cosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that would make sense. Uh, July 31st, 1998, uh, Suwanee Music Park in Live Oak, Florida, as part of the Travel and Light Tour. And then the last selection was Born Under a Bad Sign, which was played by Paul Butterfield Blues Band. At Woodstock and Panic did it July 6th, 2011, Eugene, Oregon, Cuthbert Amphitheater with... Ian Neville on guitar, and Ivan Neville on keyboards.
1: So, um, anything stand out to you from from these selections?
0: Oh, man, this chest fever kicks ass. Wow. It's so, so good. Um, that whole middle section of this show, again, 2008 Panic, what is up is down. Um, <laughs> We're in the upside down, for sure. Is, uh... I really like old neighborhood anyway. I like that song when, Uh when they did it with Mikey and then I'm glad that it stuck around and it's gotten to be, you know, it's a great song, Mm -hmm. but chest fever, um, is just, the horns are awesome. And the Jojo's organ is on, it's just, it's so it's just thick and crunchy and it's so tight. Like in herring's guitar, herring is so spot on playing this too. So, um, love this song, love the version of it. And again, 2008 panic who knew yeah. it only took me 11 11 years to say something nice about it <laughs>
1: 92 episodes um and you're a big fan of the schoolgirl version right from 95
0: yeah that shows just i mean the whole show is super fun i mean that tour again um get, get back to our roots We can wax rhapsodic about fall 95 but um this is a great show and yes and it's of course they're gonna play good morning little schoolgirl at the Mississippi University for women but this is a really good one JB is takes a really nice break um, and does some slide and some other stuff there uh, on guitar that's really good and it helps this version stand out so it's great and it falls into a really nice machine into bar stools too so um, and again it does a this is a, a a flip the bird encore show too with a mix sense to me encore so. Uh, but a great first set. Holden impossible in the first set. Uh, I think I put the the set closer. A of D worry on a bunch of mixtapes.
1: Yeah, yeah, games. that's good. And as is the uh, disco airplane Hatfield to start the second set.
0: Oh, I, I'm sure that's just okay.
1: Um, so this was this this ten twenty four ninety five was the first Good Morning Little Schoolgirl in eighty nine shows. The time before it, there, do you know what that was from? April nineteenth, nineteen ninety five.
0: Is that uh Randolph that's Macon a, Women's Randolph College Macon. in Lynchburg, <laughs> uh, Virginia.
1: So and the time before that nothing. was like nineteen ninety, so they were uh they were playing the women's colleges campuses and busting out schoolgirl.
0: <laughs> a, there's too many jokes to be made about mm-hmm. widespread panic playing at girls' colleges in nineteen ninety-five.
1: Um so so I think that's that's about it. Um thanks for, for coming along on this journey with us, definitely um, don't consider myself a, an expert on Woodstock. Uh, but, you know, I've done my best in the last few days to try to dig into it. And um, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe you need to find that 38 disc uh, set so I can get me some uh, Keith Hartley band and uh, and some quill.
0: <laughs> some quill. <laughs> it was, uh, it's fascinating to look at like that set when they announced it. Ryan, I think Rhino rhinos mm-hmm, did it mm-hmm. and um looked at the release and looked at all the cds and stuff what's also amazing is that they it's all the the uh stage announcements yeah too. oh
1: yeah no and those are just is, so so good and i mean t- major shout out to to chip monk who is like the yeah he was uh-huh. like the lighting guy right and um yeah and yep. he ended up being the mc and just like his demeanor during that entire weekend was just perfect for what you know what i mean it just was he never got flustered or you know and he was just always come down from the towers if you could please if you wouldn't mind come (laughs) down from the towers
0: get off the shed get off the shed um no they uh his voice is so great and it could express disappointment about (laughs) the people climbing up the towers for the 10th time it's so great but yeah, all the announcements about people, you know, losing each other, and the brown acid announcement, and like it was on um, this thing on American Experience, they showed I uh, had a document of all the the medical yeah, um, yeah in, in, you case, know
1: instances case,
0: instances yeah. And it was, so that was really interesting too, um, and especially for like what they called some stuff and uh otitis was one of them which was really interesting to me which is something to do it's a inner ear thing and then what was the other one but basically it was fainting like there was all these instances yeah. for it was a, i can't remember the word but it was something to do with fainting and, but they called it something else. And basically it was like a hundred and some odd things like, wow, that seems really serious. like, no, it's just people fainted. Well, I was like, <laughs> well, of course, of course they did. Um, yeah. but I mean, it was like the, I mean this, this close to being like a, an actual medical emergency. They ran out of medical supplies. People were, I mean, it was hot too. People were getting de- dehydrated plus all the drug stuff that was going on and the usual bumps, bruises, falls, cuts all that stuff and like man it could have been really bad and then you know the national guard flies in with their hueys to drop off medical medical supplies and everybody freaks out because they think they're getting invaded and like yeah you just can't they're here
1: to help us man
0: yeah they're here to help us man yeah that's great so anyways well well, thanks to my father-in-law for for guesting and uh, absolutely uh, i think it's probably the only time that he'll 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 join us but if uh, somehow we're around for a Woodstock '55 uh, uh, celebration, mm-hmm. then maybe we'll bring him back.
1: Yeah, maybe should. Has he ever been to a Panic show?
0: No, no. no. Nobody That's- in my family has ever been to a Panic show. Wow. So has any? Have your parents ever been to a Panic show? Uh, no. Did your dad ever? Your, I would. I wouldn't think your dad would ever go to one. But did your mom ever go to one? Uh,
1: no. I mean, I went to. Um, Went to, ja- I mean, went to Jazz Fest 95 with mom and Dave Matthews was playing. So that was um, probably the closest I ever got to a, a scene like that with her. Okay. Um, Dad was pretty cool, though. He was out in L.A. in like the late 50s, early 60s, and used to see Whoa. like Chet Baker and like those kind of folks in jazz clubs.
0: Yeah, that, well, that's so, pretty cool.
1: Yeah. But uh no, he never saw panic. He's yeah. But um all right. Well, um, thanks for coming along the journey. The flashback, uh fifty years fifty years on to Woodstock and um you know, uh panic's uh little little you know, role in that which came after, you know. So um wanna thank uh thank all the listeners. Please continue to uh Tell your friends, rate, rate, and uh, and review the podcast. And, um, you know, yeah, look for me at uh, at the rhyme, and I'll be there on Saturday or at uh, Sam Holt on uh, on Friday night at the uh, Mercy Lounge. And definitely get out. Uh, Sam's playing Friday night and Saturday night at the Mercy Lounge, so I'm sure those will be fantastic shows. I'm looking forward, um, to a, to a rock show because I know that the panic's going to be kind of mellow so it'll be cool that he'll be plugged in and, and turned up so check that out if you get a chance so um until next time jeff let's let's not let it go quite so long till we get on again
0: no we, we have some ideas for some fun shows i think this fall with some other special guests and things so we'll try to make it a little bit more frequent so thanks everybody for sticking with us and let's send it out with the The amazing, the wonderful, the underappreciated Keith Hartley Band. Gary Johnson, please bring Marty her medicine.
4: She is at the first aid station.
0: Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome with us. Keith Hartley.